Hey everyone, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 66. Today I'm speaking with Mike Morris, CEO at Topcoder, a crowdsourcing company with a global community of designers, developers, data scientists, and competitive programmers. We discuss how to cultivate a community, the benefits of crowdsourcing, how soon until we're able to see quantum computing at scale, and why Mike believes that the gig or passion economy, as he calls it, is the future of work. Enjoy. Also, a quick programming note, we're going to be taking a few weeks off from Techie Bytes, but fear not. We'll be back soon with some more awesome episodes and interviews. Please stay tuned and stay safe out there. I'm here with Mike Morris, the CEO at a company called Topcoder. Topcoder, for those of you who are not familiar with, it's a crowdsourcing company, and they have a global community of people who, uh, with different backgrounds from designers to developers, data scientists, programmers. And basically what happens is people compete on these projects and and they get paid if, if they win. And essentially uh, then Top Coder also works with, on the other side, getting those projects in from corporate, uh, from corporate companies and uh, mid, you know, mid-sized large, enter- large enterprise companies and also even small businesses. So Mike, Welcome to the show. We were talking a little bit before we, before we started recording about how, uh, you know, we, you also know Kareem Lakani, who was actually just a guest on this this uh, this podcast couple a couple weeks back, and how you guys are working on some really interesting uh, projects right now. So again, welcome. Excited to have you here. Thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah, happy to be here in uh, in this virtual world that we are in. Thank you. Yes, yes. I, I feel like we have we have shifted even more virtual uh these days uh <laughs> then then not uh obviously with the whole covid19 situation that's going on but before we get to talking about that i want to get a little bit more information about you for our audience and tell us a little bit about who you are what you do on a day-to-day basis okay sure so um i'm the ceo of top coder um been with the organization since uh, it was founded and uh, which is about actually 19 years ago, crazy enough. Um, wow. And uh, my, my, my daily ba- day is really about how do we keep this marketplace of Topcoder, you know, running efficiently. And, um, and what does that mean? So Topcoder is a, at its core, it's a community of about 1.5 million technologists. So think about like computer scientists, um, data scientists, uh, software designers, enterprise software developers that are in our community. And we are constantly working with large enterprises mainly, but all size companies and government organizations to find demand that they have for software talent and then matching it up with our community. And um, sometimes we do that in really awesome and fun ways, like we run challenges and competitions, and that kind of brings out the best of the best within our crowd and finds those people that have very specific specific skill sets. And then other times we uh, we have it more on kind of your typical freelance type of model, where you need somebody that has this domain expertise, this technical expertise, and we will bring them on to a project for a period of time to work on something. So my day is really spent figuring out how to make that supply and demand curve of our marketplace uh, line up. Gotcha. So like, so what goes, what goes, what goes into making that happen? Like, um, how, how do you, how do you get companies who, let's say typically will think about doing things in-house or hiring a consulting firm or some kind of firm uh, to build a project how do you get them to to want to work with Top Coder instead? You know, there's um, there's a lot of reasons why, but it's uh, let me give you a few that are, are to me are the most kind of important. The first one is there are certain problems that you really can't solve without a model like crowdsourcing, without a gig economy style model. And those types of problems can really get somebody hooked on using this. So an example of that would be something that is incredibly complex, right? Highly, highly complex or something that is equally incredibly creative, okay? Where in order to get the best result, the best result you can possibly get, you need to have a lot of minds working on it, either collaborating or pushing each other to find those, those solutions. 
Um, Kareem actually talks about it as it's a needle in a haystack problem. And if you have enough people looking for the needle, you'll find the needle predictably every single time. So we can make that happen inside our crowdsourcing model. Like a, a one example of a project like that is actually something that we did with Harvard and with uh, Dana Farber. It was um, it was a solution to be able to identify um, the areas within if for a patient that has lung cancer. How do you identify the area to apply radiation to help cure that patient? And it's the first of its kind, use of artificial intelligence, use of computer vision to actually treat somebody, right? That's the intent of this problem. And we were able to do it. We were able to come up with a solution that was proven to be more accurate than a panel of expert oncologists, right? So an algorithm that can do that, um, which is incredible. Right, it's something that will absolutely change lives, and will change the way that you know. It's one example of how medicine might change, but it could only have been done with the ability to find a you know a vast amount of approaches to solving this problem, and then narrow down. So we had hundreds of people compete on this, and then once we got to a place where okay. Now we generally know how to solve this problem. We then took the top competitors and had them work together to go to the final solution. And uh, and that's something, you know, we're able to do that really quickly, really rapidly with minds from all over the globe. And it's not a big deal to us. That's just how our, our model runs. Those types of problems are really, are really the, the ones that get people normally hooked. But the other reasons to your question would be like, the speed aspects of this. So we're all used to it in our personal lives now where we can go and uh, on a click of a button, uh, request a car to come to us on a GPS location and take us to another GPS location. And it's just how we've come accustomed to, to living in our personal lives. On your professional lives, we're a little bit slower. Enterprises are a little bit slower, but they can have that same type of speed of convenience um, with uh, with talent, and that's what we try to provide. You know, enterprises that are, hey, I need to get X amount of people that know this skill set for this period of time. Uh, we're trying to make it as easy as that. You know, one click app uh, on your on your cell phone to be able to get access to that talent. So hopefully that helps a little bit in framing that up for you, Jeff. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you know one of the things that are that's super interesting about crowdsourcing uh, is the fact that you can do things like 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 what you just described. The problem I've seen, especially in many enterprises, is that a lot of people are kind of stuck in their ways, right? So I guess what I'm wondering if you could provide some information, uh, insight on at least, is when you go to an enterprise company, you're talking to them, they're like, eh, I don't really know. We we typically do it this way, and we, we've had success kind of in the past with XYZ approach. You know, is what do you tell them to try to say, at least give it a shot, you know, type of thing? Yeah, and um, you're totally right. And it's been, you know, something we've been facing for a long time. It's getting easier, and uh, in, in the environment that we're in today, where people are forced to do virtual work, they are starting to realize more and more the, you know, the applicability of models like this. Um, but to answer your question, it's it's a, you know, they say culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a culture problem, right? And you you have to approach it from that perspective. So when we find customers that are um, that are really open to this, it does start with the top, right? Like top parts of the organization saying, hey, this is the way that we I want us to work. This is the way that I want us to be thinking. And it becomes cultural within the organization. Um, I, I often find myself just being an, an evangelist for this space, not really for top coder specifically, but just the space because there's so many other companies that are doing what we do in different dis disciplines, right? I mean, across, you know, different, uh, you know, intellectual capital um, uh, domains. And, uh, and I, you know, it, it really does come down to you've got to come at this as a pretty big transformation. It's a cultural transformation. The tools, the processes, those are, those are really just kind of um, – 
you know, those are table stakes. Uh, you know, we can go into almost any organization and make this work if we have the right approach from a from a leadership uh, support sponsorship and you know ultimately the culture that will drive this through an organization. And uh, it's been one of my biggest learnings too. Like if a company doesn't have that, then you should probably move on to the next one. Uh, it's uh, it's that's a little bit uh, you know a little bit Darwinian, but it's true. You know, yeah. when people are ready, then it'll be, it'll be time. Right. And, and for them, and maybe a little bit too late, unfortunately. Um, what, I mean, one of the things I was also thinking was, you know, the company started in 2001, correct? Correct. Uh, right. So I, I'd imagine the shift, albeit, you know, maybe slowly, it's probably picking up now more than like you mentioned ever in the company's history. I'd, I'd imagine the shift towards, you know, being more open to the, to working with a site like Topcoder. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, um, I think, uh, I mean, our current environment is there. I put it out to anybody that is in a model like, like Topcoder is that you have a duty right now to help lead people through this time. Like, you know, whether that's making somebody comfortable with working from home, um, whether that is, you know, supporting people that are having, you know, trouble concentrating because their kids are in the background throwing balls and making noise, or whether it's, you know, teaching them how to get work done in a different way um, like this. It's the responsibility to those companies, those individuals, to help us keep our economy going, to help us keep our companies um, working. And, uh, and, and that, that to me is, is really important. Um, I, when I think about, you know, the post pandemic era, um, there's going to be a lot of change. Like, you know, Gartner is already saying, you know, that at least 5% of the workforce will never go back to the office. I think it's going to be way more than that. I think that number is so is pretty far off actually. Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, I I agree with that. And if you I mean just look at the numbers from 2008, right? Um, right. people still hadn't gone back to the workforce, you know, from then. And it, and or they were or they were underemployed, you know, where they they're working at jobs that uh they you know, they had skills that they could do other things. And you think about like think about one of the one of the things that makes a lot of organizations um, is the the cost of the labor that they they work is they use is a big part of how they how they operate right and you know there's that proverbial ever ever chasing that lower hourly rate. Um, which I think is the craziest thing and, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I'm sure there is definitely areas of the world where, you know, cost of living is more and people to make, need to make more money. But from a talent perspective, that talent is worth what that talent is worth. And, uh, and that's how we view it. Like, you know, you can be in Manhattan or you can be in Timbuktu. And if you're able to solve a problem that is worth X, you should get paid X. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think ultimately the more that people start to realize this, the better it will be for the talent, right? Which is, is that's, that's important. Number one, right. But your value, <laughs> the better it will be for the organizations, right? They're going to be able to get things done faster, quicker. And if you get access to that talent, it takes less time and time is money and money is time. And, uh, and I think that that's going to really change a lot of people's perspective to things. And that's what I'm interested in, you know, to see kind of that post-pandemic era, you know, where you know, what are things going to look like? Well, people are going to be looking for on-demand ways to get things done. People are going to be looking for more resilient workforces, more adaptive workforces, um, and not in a bad for the worker mentality. I think it is a good for the worker mentality and it creates more opportunity for people to choose work that they want to spend their time on, right? Choose work that's interesting to them, choose work where they can make the most money, have the most flexibility. Um, so I, I mean, I think it is a, it is, you know, hopefully something positive that will come out of this. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, 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 I don't disagree one, one bit on this. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, I know you're a big proponent of as I think, you've uh, made pretty clear is is the gig you know or as you call it the passion economy 
Um, can you explain a little bit, you know, for the audience, just a little bit why that's so important to you and why, uh, you know, we kind of highlighted some of the, the things just now, but why, why is it so important um, for the future, especially in this post, you know, coronavirus world uh, that will hopefully eventually make it to? So um, one of my longtime colleagues uh, in, in my recollection actually coined this term a long time ago and he, he described Top Coder as, uh, as a passion community. And it was Steve Rader from, uh, from NASA. And, um, and what that means to me is like, it's a have your cake and eat it too. And, and so what I mean by that is if you're a talent in, in our community, you can choose what you want to work on, when you want to work on it, um, how much effort, time you want to put into it, where you want to work from, right? It is a true kind of, you know, as they say, you know, some people are more about the journey than the destination. This is a true, you know, uh, write, your own, write your own story book where you can be changing it as you go. You can be, um, you can really have so much more control uh, over what you do to, to pay the bills. And it can become, in my, in my mind, it really becomes that your hobby became, beca can become your work. And, uh, and that to me is, that's Nirvana. Um, I've always been lucky enough that, I mean, I just, I love what I do. Uh, but I don't think the rest of the world is like that or always like that. And, uh, and I think that models like this really give people that choice um, and if it's done correctly and if it's correctly to me is like, if it's done through a true marketplace model, you will always find the right supply to fill the demand. And, um, and so, you know, people will often say, well, hey, what about that boring work that nobody wants to do? Isn't that just going to get left and it won't get completed? Like, no, 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 no. If you want to, if you want to figure out how to match effectively, marketplaces match effectively. That has been proven true over, over, you know, through, through decades. History, basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that to me is like, you know, to what's boring to some person is exciting to another person. What's boring right. to another one man's trash, yeah. another man's treasure. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's right on the, I think that's right on the money. In fact, one of the things you pointed out was, you know, uh, turning a hobby into, you know, into your work essentially. And I've been blessed in the sense that I've been able to do that as well. Uh, with best techie starting it so young in my in my life uh, when I was 13 and kind of building it up over the course of, of these of all these years uh, past 16 years really uh, has been has been incredible and the fact that I can do it um, for for work is is, is is great and I think presenting that opportunity like you're discussing to more people um, really uh, is, is a really wonderful thing to be able is a really wonderful thing to be able to do. I, I can't believe you actually started this when you're 13. I read about that. <laughs> and I, at some point I was going to ask you about it, but I think that is, uh, you're, you're an example for people for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, it's a, it's, it, it, it is a great example of this too. It's like, Hey, you know, it didn't matter what your pedigree was. It didn't matter what your, you know, where you were coming from. It didn't matter what college you graduated from, obviously, right? It was what you were able to do that defined what your your opportunity was. And I think that is just really neat. Well, well thank you. I appreciate that. And I, 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 again, that's why I just find it very inspiring that to see that, you know, you're helping other people accomplish the same thing right so like one of the cool things is like you have all these various different projects and contests on top coder and you've built this wonderful community of you know really smart talented people in various different you know um let's say verticals or, or niches or whatever and 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 essentially they could like you said write their own story by 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 putting in the time and the work on specific problems and it, you know i'm i'm sure uh and i'm sure you've seen this um where so, you know, uh, someone submits work uh, for a specific project, it, 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 they like it, the company who, who you're working with really likes it, let's say they win the contest or whatever, you know, that that adds another level, another notch to their belt, you know, now, now, not, not only are they just uh, someone on top coder, they've, they've done this, you know, it's kind of like building a resume over the course of time. 
And uh, I think, you know, that's just a really effective way of kind of building out a career. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a profile like an athlete would have on their accomplishments. And that's part of our job in life is to provide that, that profile, to provide that medium for people um, to show off, you know, and what their skills are. And uh, in fact, like, so, you know, if you're, so Google, Google requires you to have a top coder profile and a top coder rating in order to interview for a tech job. So, you know, that's, that's pretty neat because it's actually a representation of what they've done, what they've accomplished. In fact, Google is also allows their employees to work on top coder um, during their, during their working hours because it's good for them to learn new skills, right? You know, we try to make things. So yeah, we want people to be able to make money um, and be successful, but we also want to, we're a learning platform, you know, in addition to be a learning platform, we're trying to make it fun, right? We're trying to gamify it in a way that it's fun and people can be proud of their accomplishments and they can show off their accomplishments. And, um, and that's been pretty cool. In fact, you know, uh, a little over a year ago, I guess, uh, um, our community started a Facebook group, right? Called Top Coder Nation. And, um, and it really has a life of its own. The community runs it and manages it. And, um, and they, it, it's amazing to see. It's, it's nothing to do, like on topcoder.com, there's a ton of talk about projects and work. And there's some discussions about you know, random things that people will get into because it is a community. But on the Facebook page, the purpose of it is really, hey, this is my life as a top coder. You know, I'm living in this country right now. I'm in Antarctica um, trying to find Wi-Fi so I can work on this project. You know, I'm on a, you know, about a, uh, every six months I'm moving to a new location uh, and here's my experience. Like these stories are just unbelievable of the it's people. Crazy. Yeah, it's so awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, and it's really, it's really amazing to hear how, you know, literally it's people from all of, I mean, people from all over the world solve these problems uh, for these companies that, that, sure. are, that are put up there. And I'm, I'm, you guys have winners from, um, I don't know, do, do you keep track of how many countries, um, you know, have won, uh, have someone who have won a top coder project? Yeah, it's every country. So it's, you know, it, it, it there, there, there are, yeah, every country around the globe. And it's, um, probably on a regular basis like every we're probably uh close to a hundred countries on a regular basis we're paying so that's you know that that's you know every month you know like they were sending out checks all over the place or you know know, we do it more efficiently than that thankfully (laughs) um yeah you know and the cool thing like so just let me just give you a quick so since you know stuff stuff's changing we're, we're i mean we're super busy like anybody else like we've definitely had some customers that have been severely impacted but we've also had so many other customers that are like hey i need more 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 and uh and a few things that we had recently was we had one company that came to us um Ognami, and uh they needed a telehealth app for the the work that they're doing they can't they can't go out and see people anymore they needed to, to move it to a telehealth app so in a in a matter of weeks we built it for them and it's just just a great story of like you know getting something done that's timely that's needed and uh and the people that got to work on that you know yeah they're getting paid for it, but they're also getting to you know indirectly help a ton of people you know and that's pretty cool and another one was um Wizard Fit is a, a an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, had worked with us in the past, um, and was uh, you know is also a uh, hot yoga instructor, and he wanted to bring in his service. Now that it was getting impacted, he wanted to bring in his service online. So he came to us. We built an app for him again in weeks, and uh, it's going to launch. Uh, I don't. I'd yeah, this week or next week. It's going to launch Wizard Fit. And uh, it's just a great story. And there's those stories in every enterprise. Every big company has a hundred of these needs, yeah. and that's what we're trying to really do. Is like, how do we how do we find those those needs and give them access to people that can solve the problems for them? When it comes to the community, 
obviously, you know, you've been at Top Coder for almost since the beginning, as you mentioned. How how did you grow the community at the beginning versus how you're growing it now? Is there a difference, or or how, you know, how did you get how did you initially get people to want to sign up and be part of this platform? Yeah, that's an awesome question, and it's one of the things we really did right from the beginning. It was many, many, many things that we messed up, uh, but we we started just the word community is a big piece of what we did right. Um, it wasn't a mailing list. It wasn't a bulletin board. It wasn't a you know, we're going to be on a pedestal. We're going to talk to everybody with a microphone. It was a community. And we established that from the beginning by, you know, creating things that were really driven by peers. Okay. Whether that was motivationally, whether that was uh, allowing them to collaborate or communicate, um, whether that was comparing them versus their peers or propping them up. Um, and that was a big piece of it. So, that was just our attitude, right? But the second thing was we had to find a viral uh, growth element and every successful network out there finds this. Um, so, you know, when you think about Facebook originally, you know, it was really through through the universities, right? Through right. Facebook, right? You know what I mean? And, um, and for us, we ran these four fun coding challenges and people love them. Like, I mean, just love them. And a lot of people that went to university and studied computer science, I, I myself participated in um, the ACM competitions during school where you got together with your friends in the computer science and you got some pizza and you competed on some problems and you solved things. And it was just fun. It was like, you know, so we created this arena um, and we started running these problems, you know, problems created by the community and then solved by the community. And it just attracted thousands of people to show up virtually that are waking up in the middle of the night to log in and be with their friends and solve these problems and have fun. So that was really the viral growth to our community. And even today, it's still a huge piece of it. And we grow by about 50,000 people per quarter in our community. And it's all viral. Um, so that's a big piece piece of it. And, and the last part of that is we we built, we launched what was called the Top Cutter Open um, very, way back in the beginning. We said, hey, we're going to have every year, we're going to celebrate the best of the best. And it's like the Olympics for our space. And, uh, and we fly in people, you know, on our dime, we fly them in once a year. And we normally will have, you know, I don't know, we probably had over maybe somewhere between 100 and 120 people that will fly in and they represent their countries. They represent their, you know, their universities and they compete live uh, in challenges with people to earn their, you know, we have great prize money. We have great sponsors that, that will come and kind of put their names out there like Google and other companies. And uh, the Top Cutter Open has become a, a a big event for our community. Like people love to to get the chance to make it to the Top Cutter Open. So that was another thing that we did right from the very beginning. That's a really interesting approach, and I, I really I really like that. You know, because I, I and it it kind of gets to the second part of the question, which was how do you keep the community happy? And I think you know that's one of the ways and keeping them engaged in 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 what in you know what what's being worked on, keeping them engaged with each other. Uh, I think by itself, you know, helps keep people happy in the community because, you know, if they feel siloed or if they feel left out or if they feel like they're not connecting with other members, then that's when you start to have problems um, develop. Would you, I'm wondering if you would agree with that. No, I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, it is that uh, it's, it's, you know, it starts with, um, Geez, I, I, somewhere I was reading, you know, start to trust, uh, transparency and, uh, and we're, we're incredibly transparent. We, we, we try to be, we hold ourselves to that standard, but allowing people to ask us questions and answering them, like you've got to, you got to take the hard questions. You got to answer them. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have, you know, sort of like pseudo kind of government structure of, you know, there's a community advisory board that represents the interest and we give them budget. We say, Hey, 
there's a bunch of stuff that community wants to get done. We're not going to get to all of it. So we'll give you guys some budget and you can go get to them. And, uh, and that's been great for us too. It's like, you know, solving a lot of problems, giving us extra bandwidth, getting things done, keeping the community happy, making sure that we're addressing their, their needs. Um, and even just recently we ran a hackathon, um, to see what can we do to help in this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. And we left it very broad, right? And uh, normally we, our normal way of working is to say, we're building something specific. This is very, very broad. And uh, and ton of ideas. We had 117 people, I think, that came in from all over the globe. And we got 20 really strong submissions. Um, all, you know, one thing was like, hey, here's a, it's like, a, it was kind of a buddy app where you can have a virtual buddy while you're working from home. Somebody who's got there, just like your your coworker that's sitting next to you, right? Simple idea, great idea. Like just, just a great idea. But then others were, you know, um, doing the, this problem that we're actually doing with, uh, with Harvard um, and the Broad Institute on, um, on DNA sequencing, right? It's a problem that they suggested, hey, why don't you run this again? We've done it before, run it again. So that's something that we're taking to the next level. Another one was um, a symptoms tracker, uh, an intersection tracker. <clears throat> and, you know, that's one that we're, we're either going to build it or contribute to it for, uh, for NASCOM, um, uh, an organization in, uh, in India. And another one is a quantum computing problem. So we've actually done, we've been lucky enough to do work on quantum uh, with, through Fujitsu and Fujitsu came yeah. last year and we read, ran a set of learning challenges with them to start teaching people how to write uh, quantum solutions. And, uh, and so one of, the, one of the suggestions from this hackathon was, you know, basically a, um, a uh, protein simulation match, right, to be able to find, you know, how do we find potential cures for this. And it's a huge, it's a huge problem. It's tons of processing <clears throat> and perfect for quantum. So we don't have a partner for this yet, but we're putting it out there and saying, hey, if somebody has this hardware, maybe Fujitsu, maybe some other people would love to run this problem. And yeah. uh, so I was just saying that, that the hackathon was a really neat thing. And, you know, people competed. We didn't have any prize money in that. That was just, you know, people want to do the right thing for social good. Right. No, that that's that's great. I, I I before we get to quantum computing, I want to I want to quantum computing. I want to talk about uh, the community a little bit more. One of the things I wanted to ask was, so let's say I or someone else, you know, uh, someone a lot smarter than me joins Top Coder, and um, and basically they're a new person and they want to get started. How how do you ensure that you know someone new who joins the platform? is able to contribute as effectively as someone who, let's say, who's been there for a few years or several years. So it's, um, we have a part of our site dedicated to learning. It's called Thrive. So you would go to Thrive and you can pick the area that you're interested in. So you might be interested in competitive programming, solving those problems, those algorithmic problems. You might be interested in, you know, high-end data science. Um, or design or enterprise development over all these technologies. And we provide you resources and access to experts to be able to help learn, right? So that, that's just one. Um, that's, you know, I, I, love, I love what we're doing with Thrive. But we also will, we will encourage people to, uh, to get out there. So the only way to get better is starting with knowing where you stand. And so if you can get into you know, uh, some open competitions. So they're most of what we do, we try to keep open, you know, there's some things we do, we have to restrict it based on, you know, either agreements or specific people or, you know, depending on what the work is, but most we try to keep open where we can get people to come in and participate on those things. They get reviewed, scored, and, uh, they get that feedback and it's like, it's really rich feedback on what they did, what they could have done better. And, um, and we don't allow this for everybody, but if you are working on a problem and let's say, you know, um, you come in second place, right? You still get some compensation, right? And we still will compensate you, but you also get to see what the first place winner did. 
Um, and uh, and that's that's really valuable. Like you can see, okay, well, I see they approached it this way. <clears throat> and you can also ask questions. So there's a ton of, I call it competitive collaboration, right? Because there's, there's one thing about software developers or technical people in general, what's more important to them than, uh, than winning <laughs> is being able to answer questions. They love to be the smartest people in the room. So people love to share their, hey, I approached it this way and here's how I thought about it. And so a lot, a lot of that stuff is just inherent in the top Twitter platform. And that's how somebody gets started. And then as you get more proficient, um, you then new opportunities will open up to you. So, you know, things like, Hey, you be, you can become a reviewer, somebody that scores, uh, when, if you get to certain levels, you can become a reviewer. If you get to certain levels, you can become what we call the co-pilot. A co-pilot actually manages projects. So they get to see the pieces, how they fit together, and then work with individuals in the community to get the pieces done. Um, Co-pilots kind of fill that gap for us. Um, so it's almost like a career path. And then eventually even there's even access to, you know, I think that a lot of people, will, a lot of our people will prefer to choose what they want to work on on a weekly, daily basis. Hey, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. But some other people might like the opportunity to say, hey, I want to get on a project for six months. So we have another opportunity, it's a path called Talent as a Service, where if you have the right skills proven by, you know, all the other work that you've done on our platform, then you can get access to this this uh, this work through Talent as a Service. <clears throat> so we try to provide variety of opportunity to people and a career path, right? It isn't just, you know, okay, I gotta, I've got to go compete every single day. I mean, we eventually want people to get to a level where a good percentage of their income is, is, is incredibly predictable. And then they can earn a lot of upside by participating in some of those other types of projects that are, you know, that are going to be more of the challenge based, the competition based. Mm. That makes sense. That does make sense. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really uh, well thought out and like, you know, strategy that you have in, in terms of again we go back to the community and keeping them happy i think that's a great way to do that so they always feel like they're work you know they, they can work towards something that they can they can they'll, they'll 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 get promoted you know within you know within the platform so to speak yeah definitely so let's let's talk a little bit more about quantum computing uh, obviously we're still quite a ways away from seeing large scale quantum computing right uh, or 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 are we closer than I think? What do you any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I think I think it's years, not decades. Um, okay. And uh, <clears throat> this is just me speaking. So, um, <clears throat> but what I would hope to see is, you know, I'd love to see more of these opportunities to work on quantum open up to people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, and I'd love to see that get done through our academic sectors where, you know, you can be through universities or through organizations, research organizations, <clears throat> they can give people access to some of these, some of this technology, because that's where I think, that's where I think the most uh, good will come out of it, you know, and, uh, and I also do fear that in the wrong hands, it could be used, you know, for not good, right? You know, and I, I, I'm not, I'm generally always an optimist, but I think there's a couple of things in our world that are going to get thrown out the door, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like encryption, <laughs> encryption, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, which I, I am thankful for, to be honest with you. I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait till I don't have to worry about my passwords. Um, so, but, uh, but I think the things that I would love to see is, um, you know, and, and you and I talked a little bit about this before is like things like predictive medicine when it's, you know, it, it's, it's not the processing power to be able to analyze individuals DNA versus, you know, thousands of other, of other, um, you know, DNA samples to come up with you know, not a forecast of what might, you know, what your potential medical issues might be, but a actual scientific, this is your medical issue 
and this is when you're going to realize it or uh, that type of predictive medicine, I think will be will make, you know, leaps and bounds through quantum. And that's an exciting thing, you know, for us. Definitely. So in terms of uh, I want to before we before we move on uh, and wrap this up and get to the lightning round, I just want to talk a little bit more about the, the passion or gig economy and 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 whether or not you believe it is the future of work and as well as what you know what does that mean for most people especially or people who have jobs now that you know um that are not you know part of the gig economy yeah i mean i i, I do think it is the future of work i don't think it's an all or nothing thing um i think that if you're a, a company if you're a small company it's very easy for you to start and with this in your DNA from the very beginning, right? That hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leverage expert, I'm gonna leverage expert networks to grow my company into the next unicorn. That is really easy for a small company or a startup to to think like. For bigger companies, it's gonna be harder, but they're gonna, they're you know, they're gonna, they're gonna move towards this, or they're gonna be moved out of the way, um, in my opinion. But it doesn't replace things like you still need to have a workforce and it's not going to be right for everybody. Some people are going to want that, you know, the social aspects of the normal, the, the normal workforce. Somebody's, some people are going to want that predictability. Um, so it won't be right for everybody. I think it will increase dramatically year over year for the next 20 years. I do think that that, that will, that will happen. Um, but I, there are some big, things in the way still. So let's not all be sunshine and rainbows because we've got a healthcare issue, we've yeah. got a retirement issue, and these problems have to be solved um, on a global basis. We are working on them. Uh, we've been working on them. I'm sad to say we don't have a magic bullet for these. We call them the health and wealth issues, but they have to be solved in order for this to really go mainstream. And I, I think it's, you know, there are different opinions on this. I think it's kind of incumbent on the platforms to figure these things out um, for people. And I think that will ultimately end up really distingu dis distinguishing the platforms that succeed um, versus everybody else. So, you know, every as industries mature, you know, you know, automotive industry had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of car companies and then there were three. Right. You know, it, you know, um, I think there will be that type of, uh, you know, at, at some point there will be a smaller number of companies in this space and there will be Amazons and, uh, of the world. And, and I think that that's when these will really get solved. But like, you know, insurance uh, for people in the gig economy on a global basis, it's hard to do in one country. Try thinking about it over 190 countries. And, you know, we've run surveys. <clears throat> you know, some people don't even want it. Some people don't even know they need it. Um, you know, I mean, it's a huge variety of the problem is just not simple. Um, and I think that disruption in that space has to happen uh, for. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my point of view on that. Yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts uh, real quick before we get to the lightning round? Do you have any thoughts in terms of that the next wave of kind of gig economy jobs or, or, or do you think it'll kind of be around like you think we'll, see, we'll probably see more of a, a shift? I'm, I'm imagining that you think, uh, you know, of people who were designers, programmers, data scientists and whatnot kind of moving towards platforms like Top Coder if they decide to make that that switch. Um, but is there another? Is there any other uh, fields or, or areas of work where you think that that the gig economy will will kind of pick up where it maybe it's not right now? No, I, I, mean, I think you know areas that have um, the requirement for complex, high-end intellectual capital are ripe, right? And um, and you know I think we need to, like I said, I think we need to solve that health and wealth issue. So you can that to, you know, whether it's legal, whether it's finance, um, you know, science, you know, <clears throat> um, I mean, even in, I mean, you know, even in areas like sales and business development, right? I could see th this, I could see models here 
Uh, one other thing that has to happen, and the technology exists here, and uh, and again, I think the platforms will bring this to bear, but it also has to be a um, it has to be a market shift where people start to realize that it it actually is more secure than traditional ways of working. So let me let me explain what I mean by that. I I firmly believe this, and I have for a long time. That hey, I know who I can tell you who's on the other end of that ethernet pipe right because i know i i can i can i can use biometrics i can use gps location i can use whatever sort of credentialing that is the standard these days i can use but i can also use things like well i know how this person works and behaves i know how this person codes i know how this person there i i know all of these things i have a database of things that I can compare it against. I can use artificial intelligence and AI. It can absolutely be more secure than letting somebody have a badge, giving them access to a building and walking in and a bunch <laughs> of people out there. <clears throat> so when that starts to become, hey, I'm more exposed with you know having 20,000 people sitting in a high rise and you know that I am with the person on the other than the internet pipe, you know, then it starts to move rapidly. Like all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. If I need access to a quant to give me my most complicated trading algorithms, this is how I'm gonna do it. Not going to that trading floor, those 20 people are sitting together and half on Facebook, right? You know, no, this is how I'm gonna do it. <clears throat> so I think that's something that'll have to happen. Definitely, and I, I think to even boost that secure that secure um, that's a, you know, uh, the fact that it's more secure to an, you know to another level. Like like you mentioned, if you have all of your employees in one spot, God forbid something bad happens, right? Um, you just lost. I mean, you lost all your talent, you t potentially more. Um, but that, that that could be a problem too. If you're if 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 your workforce is spread out remotely. That's a lot, you know, it's a lot more difficult to happen. It doesn't have, it's harder to make happen, I guess. Yeah, it's, um, and then there, there's the soft things, right? Like the um, diversity. Yeah. So diversity is a huge issue for us. And we, we all need to realize that we're failing in diversity. And that, in my opinion, like this as a, I think we're failing. And, uh, and when I look at, you know, platforms, you know, diversity, it, there should be no bias in a platform, right? Like by default, it's like, hey, yep. that connection is made without, you know, with no bias. And I yeah, love that's that. an incredibly hard thing to do, but I, I do agree. Yeah. That, it, yeah. It, a lack of bias. And, uh, and then I also think that um, diversity of thought, right? We all know. Right, we have all read it before. We've all been told, "Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna build a great team, make sure you have a very diverse team. People that bring different skill sets to to the to your, you know." We've all read that in our management books, and we've read it, and we've heard it in our training, and we know it from the hiring experts. But you know what? It's easier to work with people that are like you because it's just easier. But platforms don't platforms don't do that. They give you that. They don't give you that ability to, to make that choice, right? They're going to, that choice is going to be sort of made for you in many ways. Um, so that, I mean, that's another kind of side benefit, that diversity of thought. And then expand that to global. Like it doesn't have to be global. We're global. But I think it's it's awesome when you can get somebody, you know, a project that we worked on recently, you know, there was a guy from Venezuela, a girl from Sri Lanka, you know, another person from from China, a person from, you know, from Wisconsin, and they're collaborating on a problem for a company that's in Philadelphia. That is valuable to that person, to that company in Philadelphia. They're getting they're getting a lot of extra kind of benefit just from that global collaboration. Absolutely, know. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, Mike, I, I we made it through the most difficult part. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully of this of this conversation, uh, we've now arrived at the lightning round. So when you're ready, let me know and we'll get started. Okay, shoot. Here we go. Would you rather be able to read minds or teleport? 
Teleport. It's a good choice. I, I, I picked the same. What's the metric you keep a close eye on for your business? Fulfillment rate. What's your cure for hiccups? Hold my breath. You find that works for you? Yep. <laughs> I've never had much luck with that, uh, with that technique. If you do it right to the edge of pain, uh, <laughs> it usually works. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for next time. What's the number one thing on your bucket list? Mm. Space. Go, you want to go to space. Would you want to come back or do you want to go to like another planet like Mars and live there? <laughs> I, I would start with, I want to be there for a launch. Um, that That's kind of a, a little one that I share that that's actually stolen from my wife's bucket list. But I, I would like it could to be a be, shared bucket list. At the, <laughs> yeah, but I would like to be actually, I would like to go into space, uh, you know, and then come back. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Last one. What cele which celebrity would you like, would you most like to have a meal with? Uh, Harrison Ford. Oh, I like that choice. I, okay. So no one can see this <laughs> right now, but I'm wearing... An Indiana Jones uh, authentic hat while I'm talking to you. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, Mike, I really appreciate I really appreciated having you on. Uh, it's been a fantastic episode. I think we covered a lot of really good topics. If anyone wants to get in touch with you after listening to to this, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So um, the website is uh, is topcoder.com. And you could also, uh, my Twitter handle is MP Morris. So M P M O R R I S 36. Well, Mike, thanks again for being on. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.